0: To, sure. to throw back to you, uh, Plan C, um, because a lot of people is talking about right now that we are getting into the next phase of the bull market, or bull run, and I think a lot of people is right now at least uh, in this moment thinking about whether to double down and then you know hit the the next uh, wave of the bull run or to cash out because we've been. Uh, We've been going up a lot the the past few days. So what do you see? Do you see a a second uh, run uh, coming up or yeah. Where do you see the market going from here basically?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely not financial advice. I would, I would say for myself, Mm like I'm my, my uh, focus is on long-term. I'm not um, someone who, although there are things on, on chain and different indicators you can look at for short-term I don't, I don't focus, I don't tend to focus on that. So I'm not really uh, super confident in like any kind of short-term uh, predictions or anything like that, but but I do feel like this, uh, my overall feeling is um, from looking at all, all the data is the this bull run is far from over, this market cycle is far from over. And I, mm. I could go into a million reasons why. Um, mm. A couple of very basic reasons is you can really see, so in any market cycle, um, what you have is you have o- older wallets. So there's something called HODL waves. Mm. And what HODL waves are is they can actually, the cool thing about um, blockchain is you have all these insights with the on-chain data that you just don't get in a, in a lot of other systems. So mm-hmm. what you're able to see is they, um, they can cluster uh, wallets and they can see, okay, uh, what percentage of wallets have held their Bitcoin for, or not, not sorry not wallets, actual Bitcoin. So they can determine mm-hmm. um, how many Bitcoin were purchased and have been held over a year how many have been held, like there's different levels, right? You have a year, you have two years, you have five years, seven years, you have six months, you have, you have kind of like a range between like three to six months and then between one to three months. So they kind of have these, these different points with these hollow waves and what it's the overall um, point of the the whole, uh, that whole indicator, what it's, it's, it's determining is okay. Where's the short, like how, how is short-term money acting versus kind of like the long-term holders. And, and it gives you a sense of, okay, once these larger, because the thing about it is like, it doesn't guarantee that somebody is um, is a better investor or smarter just because they've been in the market longer. But what mm-hmm. it does, uh, what it does do is it gives you a lo- longer time to educate yourself on the cycles. You're more experienced. So so naturally, by having more experience of being in the market, um, you're more likely to sell at the right times just because you're more familiar with the cycles and how Bitcoin works in general. And then mm-hmm. also by being in the market longer, you've had more chance. Yeah, like I said, to educate yourself and. So for many reasons, um, the older wallets, their, their activity tends to indicate better. It, it correlates better with, uh, with cycles, whereas the short-term uh, wallets and the short-term money, when they sell and buy, like it's, it's uh, usually at the wrong times, a lot, a lot of times. And we, we just saw this like confirmed mm. completely on this last downturn. We had a lot of three to... Actually, a lot of the wallets that were selling and a lot of the money that was selling um, that on this last drop was actually wallets that were three... Or, or Bitcoin that were three to six months old. Um, So it it wasn't, we actually didn't see a lot of selling for the one year plus, um, very little selling for the one year plus. So that kind of shows me that there's, they're still waiting for the next leg up in the cycle. It kind of gives you an indication that a lot of the older uh, holders, they're hodling, they're, they're, they're not convinced this is the end of the cycle. And because of that, they help to set a floor on the price to, in a way, Mm. or the one aspect of what sets a floor, because they're just refusing to sell. They, they, they believe that there's more upside coming. And um, so there, you can see that you can really see that by looking at these wallets and how long they've held for. So that's mm-hmm. one way of looking at it. And and so for me, um, if you look at the drawdown in, in the one year plus HODL wave, which is one of the most useful ways of looking at this, it's actually only dropped, um, relatively speaking, about 50% of what it usually drops during a, a full bar, a market cycle mm-hmm. compared to the previous three cycles. So are the, yeah, the previous two main, mainly the last two. So that's one indicator, right? You never want to look at one thing. You want to look at a lot uh, to determine right. what to do. But that to me was a strong indication that the older wallets um, and the smarter money, you could say more experienced, I, I call them um, more experienced market participants, essentially mm. a way of looking at it. Mm. That they, They're not, they're not, they didn't sell. And so um, the other, the other aspect to go into is usually at a, a cycle peak, you see a, a drop off in, um. Uh, It's called. So there's there's uh, there's new wallets that are being created, and there's also new entities on chain. Now, an entity, uh, the definition of an entity with Glassnode is, um, say say someone has ten wallets, and then Mm -hmm. they move all those wallets to a single wallet at a certain point. Say they have a bunch of different wallets, and they kind of condense them into one wallet. Um, What that would be doing is that would be Mm -hmm. taking um, ten entities and condensing it into one entity. Um, Mm -hmm. On chain, before when you look at the data, you don't know that those wallets are connected because they haven't done any activity in the past that would connect them. But once wallets get connected, once you have like, I'm not sure, like if you just think about your activity within crypto, I mean, there's probably been times where you've held money in various places then at times you've you've kind of condensed those holdings into a a certain place. Like so on chain, they, they assess all this and they see like, okay, once people combined their coins, they can kind of narrow in. And uh, because a lot of people wonder like how many people are actually in crypto because a lot of people have multiple wallets,
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: but it it comes down to clustering it comes down to identifying like wallet activity and, and how you can kind of narrow in on, on more what's called entities. So it's a more, it's a closer way of looking at like how many people are actually in the market. So when you look at the, the net entity growth, if you look at people leaving the market, like when, when someone empties out all their wallets or when some, someone empties out their, their singular wallet or whatever, then that's an entity being destroyed on chain. And so that's someone leaving the market essentially. Um, but what we're seeing right now, what we've seen over the last month is we've actually seen uh, the net entity growth on chain hitting an all-time high. So what that, what is basically on a, a larger scale showing you, you is that there's enough new money coming in and enough new interest and enough adoption at this point in the cycle to support the price. So if, if we had a, a decrease of interest or a decrease of these entities growing, uh, a decrease of the essentially money flow into crypto. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, like I said before, so the, the main the main overview way to say it is old money hasn't sold. They're, they're, for the most part, they're huddling through this uh, this downturn. You have still enough new entries coming in to support the price levels because usually a market cycle peak, it, uh, one of the main determining factors is you don't have enough new money coming in to support the price. So the price will drop because it's not necessarily about a lot of people selling. I mean, that's a factor, but it's also just not, not a lot of new money willing to buy that price level. Right. So so what we're seeing is we have a lot of new money willing to buy this, this price level. And so that supports the price. So you have new money coming in, you have a hitting an all time high, essentially a new entries on chain. You have old money, not selling old, old uh, wallets not selling. And then on top of that, um, mm-hmm. you have now uh, uh, you are starting to see outflows from the exchanges. You're actually starting to see the, the, the Bitcoin on the exchanges starting to, it just flipped actually recently to actually starting to decrease the amount of Bitcoin on, on chain. Um, so mm-hmm or on the exchanges, I should say. So yeah, there, there's many other factors and, and many other ways of looking at it. But um, yeah, uh, the last thing I'll mention on this topic is uh, stable coins. So one of the, another reason why I, I was very confident that this wasn't the end of the market cycle was because we actually hit an all-time high for stable coins on exchange. So if this was the end of the cycle, nice. um, you know, you, you could see a lot of that, that money that um, was sold uh, from Bitcoin being taken into uh maybe dollars or just or just I don't know, like it just would if it wasn't like so stable coins on exchange versus stable coins on Celsius, a little bit of a difference there, right? Because Celsius, right. you know, these are people that are just happy to be in stable coins. They're not looking to get maybe back into a Bitcoin position,
0: mm. but
1: it, on average, you could say that stable coins on exchanges indicates that that money's on the sideline, waiting to jump back in. Yeah. Um you know, so that's, that's one way of looking at it is we saw a growth. We, we saw the, the drop of the Bitcoin price, but we, uh, but we saw an equal rise of the stable coins on exchanges and we hit an all time high with that. And so mm-hmm. to me, that's like a lot, a lot, of money was waiting on the sidelines, ready to get back into the market. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are kind of the main, the, some of the main things, right? Like uh, that I got just went through there. So um, yeah, a lot of new okay. entries coming in a lot of money on the sidelines, a lot of older wallets not selling Um and just and then supply shock, we had like we're having we're continually having um, Bitcoin taken off these exchanges and put into older wallets that don't have a history of selling and, and accumulating. So um, yeah. I just look at this as a mid cycle uh, pause yeah. in, the, in the cycle. And um, as far as drivers, um, maybe maybe I don't know, I should let you talk For <laughs> I'm just rambling again. Um, is there any other specific questions like um,
0: no, I know I think. Uh, uh, not financial advice, of course, but anyone who's considering to sell out and tired of crypto not going anywhere, you know, hold tight because uh, a next wave might be coming. And speaking of uh, Celsius and, uh, of course, the founder and CEO, Alex Mashinsky, who's been pretty spot on with his um, with his predictions. Uh, I think last year he predicted the price of Bitcoin hitting all time high or something with one day difference, something crazy. He was Almost spot on, Uh, and he said uh, this year in 2021 that the next all-time high, or we will see. I think he was. He said we will see Bitcoin hit uh, 100k uh, in this market cycle uh, in 2021. Do you agree with that? Do you think there's going to be a higher all-time high? What What's your take on the on the Bitcoin price coming up?
1: Yeah, for sure. Like I definitely think that, that, like I said, the cycle is far from over. I I could see us making an all-time high for sure this year. you know, no one knows for sure, but but um, there are some some drivers of the price uh, to the upside that I could see happening. So it really yeah. depends on on different factors. But yeah, with Alex Machinsky's prediction, I mean, he's uh, he said publicly for quite a while, like he's he thinks the end of this year, or he said at some point in this year will hit between one hundred forty and one hundred sixty thousand, mm-hmm. and then he sees us finishing the year between eighty and ninety uh, thousand, so coming back down. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, for myself, like um, it really depends if we get a Bitcoin ETF this year. Um, this is something I've been really tracking as far as like headlines. It's it's one of the few things as far as headlines that I'm actually looking at is, is what's, what's the, well, a lot of people are looking at the, um, the fear related headlines. I'm focused on, okay, what are people doing in the background? Like, what is the, mm-hmm. how are people positioning themselves? And and I've seen some, some headlines recently that are super bullish. Like, I mean, we have 13, as far as I'm aware, last time I checked, there was 13 applications in from major mm-hmm. players, right? Fidelity, you know, they had the wink uh, the Gemini twins like right. you got some huge Winkle boss you, yeah. you have Mike novogratz has one in you have mm. the um, grayscale has partnered now with BNY Mellon who has a good uh, a good track record of working with ETFs and, and good connections of course being an old older bank and one of the largest so you, you have these a lot of players position themselves and you have mm. you know 13 of these ETFs that are uh, pending applications. So, um, it just seems inevitable that we're going to get an ETF either at the end of this year, or early next year. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of this regulation and a lot of these headlines as of late, um, is actually, a, um, related to this. It's related to, you know, if they do want to get an ETF going, if they do want to launch one, cause there's a lot of pressure for them to do so. And there's a lot of de- a pent up demand for an ETF, mm-hmm. you know, it, they, they need to, uh, to, I guess in quote, unquote, clean up the space or, or uh make some regulatory moves so that's i think a big part of the thing we're seeing with like the over leverage um on like right. a binance or, or these different different uh places that platforms that allow for just really unnecessary amounts of leverage like 100x yeah. doesn't seem really necessary um you know keep it under 20x or keep it whatever under whatever x like keep it more reasonable so they're, they're starting to crack down on, on things yeah. and making sure like okay know your customer all that kind of stuff yeah. so um and then on top of that we're seeing yeah we're just seeing a lot of headlines with regulation. So. I think that's them preparing for an ETF launch. Um, Mike Novogratz, who's, who's one of the people that has that ETF in, he actually says, I, I listened to a recent interview with him and he said end of this year, he thinks an ETF will launch. Mm-hmm. I've heard on Alex Mashinsky say the same thing on a lot of uh, uh, streams that he thinks it could happen end of this year uh, or early next year. So mm-hmm. to me, that's one of the big the big drivers for this market cycle. Um, and I don't think the cycle is over until we get an ETF. Right. Um because they've denied this ETF for so long. And it's got to a point where there's even headlines and, and people involved in, in, in this that have said like, it's overdue, like it should have happened a long time ago. So right. um, they need to clean up some of the manipulation on the weekends in the market and just a different some different mm. things um, before this launches, but it's, it's coming. And we've already seen a launch in Canada. We've already seen it launch in a, a few other countries in Canada, there was a billion dollars. As far as I remember, there was a billion dollars in the first few weeks that came into that uh, ETF. And uh, I listened to another podcast where these guys had been doing ETFs for like 30 years. And they said, typically, what they see in the financial markets is uh, Canadian ETFs typically are uh, about 50 times smaller than the US. And so, you know, going based on that, you know, Mm -hmm. we could see uh, a crazy, crazy demand, like we could we could see upwards of well, I mean, It seems like a a lot a lot to say, but 50 billion Mm -hmm. uh, dollars of demand. So um, ETFs, a unique vehicle that a lot of the traditional uh, system is comfortable with. Um, And so I think it's going to allow a lot more people to to get into Bitcoin. And I think it could be one of the the most significant drivers of this cycle. so yeah, that's one thing I'm looking at for sure is is when is this ETF going to go? I think it's going to mostly be um, my prediction. Uh, anyways, with that is it's Grayscale that that gets it because they lo- they with BNY and they they have the placeholder um, uh, already kind of ETF they're, they've been doing so, um, and they're highly incentivized to to get that ETF going because this this discount on BTC and and everything that's mm-hmm. going on they want to probably right. get that um, that to zero. So yeah, that that's a, that's a huge factor. Um, So I don't know, as far as price predictions, like for me, it's, it's more about, um, kind of watching and seeing where things go. And, and as, as time gets closer, um, you know, be easier to determine, determine kind of like what levels we'll get to, but yeah, I would say myself, like, I'm i am probably say, I probably, I would probably say that between a hundred and 180, uh, thousand Hmm. for Bitcoin in this cycle is, is conservatively, I would say that's going to happen, um, at some point, like my, my, um. Depending on when the ETF goes, um, that's going to be a factor. But I, I would say, I also believe myself personally uh, in, in somewhat in lengthening cycle theory. So I, I would say that um, I think the cycle is going to go well into next year. That's kind of how I'm seeing things. And some of the mm-hmm. metrics are showing that, that we could actually see the cycle peak um, really next year. And and a lot of people think it could happen at the end of this year, but I'm actually I would say that, um, yeah, next year and even into the second half of next year is, is definitely, I oh. would say, po- I would say possible. So yeah. every cycle, there's kind of something that surprises surprises us in a way. And, and this cycle, it could be that the cycle is a lot longer than people expect. Um, and it gets kind of drawn out with, because it, this cycle is more about the institutional adoption, yes. um, I would say. And, and like the last cycle was, you know, more to do with the ICO boom. Cycle before was just like complete speculation from retail. Mm. so this one is a little bit more of like an actual adoption and, and institution and big money coming in. It takes some longer to get in the cycle like it's it's a lot harder for them to get in versus a retail person that can just go and buy on exchange like institutional mm. money you know we had the um michael saylor uh, summit at the beginning of this year in february and mm. there was a lot of, uh, of of significant uh players that came to that summit and they uh they need time to get in the market it can take them three three to twelve months to get in and so I think we'll see more of an influx of that coming in. Um, we also will see headlines. I think we'll see a lot of headlines of major uh, uh, S&P 500 companies that are putting Bitcoin in their balance sheet. You know, we mm-hmm. saw this recent thing with Amazon, um, which is another, you know, another driver. So yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see, but I personally think like we're, we're not even close to the end of the cycle. And um, with the supply that we have with Bitcoin, like we can see huge moves to the upside. Um, and and I don't see a reason why like uh, Alex Baczynski's prediction is, is possible and and yeah like I think we'll, we'll see some movements in the cycle and the price can move quickly and and yeah. we'll see I think we'll see for sure over 100k and yeah. I think um, yeah next year well into next year we could see the, the cycle peak that's kind of how I'm looking at
0: it. and that's um, I mean on the face of it when you hear Bitcoin hitting a 100k. It sounds so crazy, but taking all these factors into account that you just outlined, it seems totally possible. Um, You talked about supply shock and institutions coming in with big money. It might take longer times, but when they start to adopt crypto, which they are doing, it, um, it can go completely wild. And that's actually, you know, institutions coming in late, relatively speaking, to retail investors. That's actually... In my view, at least, uh, one of the beauties of crypto for for the first time, I don't know if it's in history, but for the first time in a very long time, retail investors or everyday people have a chance to get in before VCs, institutional investors, you know, smart money, quote unquote. Um, That's quite unique, I think. I I don't think we've seen that uh, many times in history where the average Joe really could set up an account and move faster than institutions and get you know, into the markets, uh, reaping the benefits of being early uh, compared to institutions.